All right. We are live episode 80, 80. It's exciting. I'm excited. The sun's out. It was raining. Now it's not. Don't know what I just said. Here we go. Will Nitza, IQ Bar, Prem Shankar, 404DM. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Will, we're talking bars. Give it to us. What is the story behind the brand? When did it start? Yeah, so really it started with a Kickstarter that I ran in January of 2018. And the story behind the bar, really in a nutshell, is we wanted to be the first ever brain food uh, ready to eat product. And since then, it's evolved to be a brain plus body uh, nutritional solution. Give us the ingredients so we get a sense of what that means. Sure. So at a macronutritional level, basically you're at both the macro and micronutritional level, you're optimizing for what's you know going to produce the best cognitive function. So um, at a macronutritional level, roughly what that means is a super low carb, low sugar profile, um, higher in healthy fats and moderate uh, in protein. At a micronutritional level, uh, we're centering our products on things like well, the lion's mane adaptogen or vitamin E or flavonoids, basically micronutrients that have been shown across a bunch of research to benefit the brain in X or Y, X, Y, Z uh, type way. What were you doing before this? How, how, how do you have that in for, you know, sort of education as far as what you were going to be putting into the bars for those types of call outs? So I don't really, have, I don't, I have no background in food. No one I know or knew had a background in food when I started. Um, I studied psychology, among other things, in college, got super into the brain. Um, and then I just, because my own brain started failing, I started having brain fog and headaches on a daily basis while working in a software gig. I became obsessed with uh, nutrition as it relates to cognitive function. And again, that dovetailed with my interest in the brain. So, I mean, I'm a total autodidact. I've... Um, just read uh, voluminously on on the topic and sort of then once you get into the realities of creating a food product, you have to think through, okay, you're basically your workflow is what are the nutrients that have the most backing that they're good for your brain? What whole food ingredients are richest in those things? How can I incorporate those things into a 45 gram bar? I got it. You said a couple words that I'm going to have to look up after the uh, after this interview, but that's all good. Um, <laughs> people know I don't read. I need to. I shouldn't. Bet. I don't know. Um, let's talk about distribution. Uh, when you first launched this, where were you going to take it? Was it a direct-to-consumer play, uh, or did you want to be in retail? And if so, what did that look like? I didn't really know, to be honest. I mean, I'm a first time CPG founder, so I, I didn't really know, but I knew that D2C was going to be a piece of the puzzle. And so that's where we started. It's also the easiest, right? Because you just get a website up and start selling. And it also segued uh, fairly seamlessly from uh, Kickstarter, which is a, a digital direct-to-consumer platform. So um, I knew D2C would be would be key. I didn't know how key. I mean, basically our business centers on, on D2C, both through Amazon and, and our website. 
And so 70% of our business is DTC still, even, even being in thousands of, of doors, 70% is, is DTC. So, and that only of course um, became more pronounced uh, during, during COVID. So I didn't really know is the short answer, uh, but since I've, you know, over the course of the last couple of years, I've, it's really been solidified in my mind that DTC is our path to success. As someone who didn't have a background in food and beverage, I, did, I didn't either. So there's a lot that I can talk on. Um, what do you think, like first thing that comes to mind for anybody else who's kind of in that same uh, situation, what do you think is the first thing that comes to mind as far as what you learned? Uh, I would say, number one, your product has to be 10 times different than the next product. Like I think people sometimes if they'll make a product that's like 20% different, that, that's just not enough. Uh, it, you know, it may be enough to be moderately successful. You'll never be hugely successful. So uh, a lot of the, pretty much, I would say half of the major learnings just come from straight product. Product has to be radically different. It has to be excellent. And then it has to be consistent, consist, consistently excellent. Um, and then I would say the other half of the learnings um, are, you know, the raising money process, the all of the like finance, accounting, um, cost of goods, et cetera, that you live and die by um, have been the source of my other major learnings. You mean that uh, it's kind of an expensive business to be in? Uh, it is an insanely expensive business to be in. And I don't think people, here's the other critical thing that I think mistake people make. They'll create a product that was never going to succeed from a COGS and price point standpoint in the first place. And then subsequently they'll have to backtrack and try and re-engineer to make the economics work, which is a just a recipe for disaster um, because it's not really possible. So if you start with a mind towards cost of goods, price point, gross margin, et cetera, you're going to save yourself a lot of heartache. I don't know. That's my, I don't, I make that sound when I wanted people to rewind. Uh, that 45 seconds is a really, really solid one. I, these, these, these shows, you know, 15 minutes of just hard nose. There's always one nugget or two per episode. Sometimes there's multiple that's a that's a good one. So rewind that one. Uh, listen to it again, uh, folks, for those that are getting into this thing. Now, uh, let's talk about direct to consumer strategy, since this kind of does fit well. Um, I know the case packs and things like that for bars. So I'm, I'm pretty, you know, the learnings of it, I understand. Um, what does it look like as far as your strategy? Are you guys on Facebook? Are you on Instagram? Are you serving up ads? Do you have a funnel? Are you coming into somebody's email drop? You know, what does that strategy look like? And, and how has it sort of um, progressed, let's say over the last 12 months? I mean, we're, we're, we're very deep in all of those things you mentioned. I would say one of the areas we need to get better at is sort of the community building and really email and SMS, if you want to boil it down to specific functions. Um, we've gotten extremely good at acquiring customers cost effectively via Facebook, Instagram, Amazon, and a variety of more long tail methods. Um, 
where I think we've been okay, but need to be better. And I just hired someone for this. And it's a big goal of ours is the sort of bread and butter, just general, really excellent communication um, infrastructure via email and SMS with your community of, of fans. Um, so yeah, I mean, we do all of that. It's just, uh, you know, I think we're really excellent at some and we can get better at others. I totally understand. Uh, I, I'm actually curious with bars, which have a form that could be, you know, first off, it's smaller. Um, it, it can stay in its form. Do you have an offering yet as far as uh, maybe a single bar that goes uh, goes out? Is there something like that as far as strategy, if you can talk on it? Um, just kind of being candid here. Yeah, yeah. Or, or do, you, do you solely focus, let's say, on a variety pack? It's still in its, I'm assuming, a 12-pack case. Uh, what are sort of strategies and, and concepts that you guys work through that as far as trial? Yeah, I mean, uh, you're trying to basically replicate like the guy in the store demoing the product in a digital context. So uh, this is another mistake I think a lot of people make is they won't create a low priced uh, sort of teaser option or sample option. Um, we like view that as a necessity um, because people, especially in bars, there, there just is a price for a bar. Like if you're, if you're selling some super, like uh, some sophisticated adaptogen blend, you can charge 50 bucks for it. You can't do that in bars. So there's a parameter you can't go beyond in bars and people are super price sensitive, no matter how good your product is. And so you have to hit a certain sampler price point. And, you know, there are certain magical price points that will just drive insane volume. Um, the, the question, the, the, the question beyond that, the 2.0 of that is the strategic piece around, do you want this to, you know, do you sell it at break even? Do you want this to be a loss leader? Do you still want this sampler to hit a, call it a 40% margin? Like all of that nitty gritty stuff um, on top of the question of, do you have a sampler in the first place is what I think of. But no question, you, in my mind, you have to have some sort of low price point intro sampler offering. Some good points there. Uh, and there are 12 ways to cut it, maybe 24, maybe 48. Uh, and uh, it's to each brand's own as far as what they learn through the processes as far as testing. Uh, it is super important. If you aren't testing, uh, you're not making any headway. If you aren't finding out information about your customer, what they're willing to do, what they're willing to pay, whether or not they're going to come back, uh, and what the price differences are going to be between all those, you're kind of at a disadvantage. Um, it's constant, constant testing. And it's something that we could talk on for hours as far as direct to consumer. Uh, and I just hope that people find the right people uh, to be helping them along that journey because it is a tough one. Um, with that said, let's talk about, let's close this out for, for IQ Bar. What does this look like in 12 months? Uh, the year's looking pretty good. It's already March. I'm feeling optimistic about things opening up um, and things kind of, I, I don't want to use the word normalizing, but I'm going to use the word normalizing um, over time and a year and things like that. What does a brand look like in 12 months? 
Yeah, honestly, um, the pandemic has been a weird one because it shifted uh, different parts of our business in, in, in a perverse sense, sometimes beneficially. Um, so direct to consumer, you know, it's not bad that people are, from a business context, in their home buying stuff online for us specifically because we are more weighted towards digital. So, um, you know, I've stopped trying to predict things um, because it, but given the last year, stuff's just been so crazy. So I think we're doubling and tripling down on the status quo. As things shift, we will adapt, but I've gotten burned before trying to predict things and over invest too early. Um, but, you know, longer term, um, we do need to diversify away from, from uh, direct to consumer. I view brick and mortar as a billboard to acquire online customers. I think a lot of brands view it in the inverse. They view online uh, as a customer acquisition tool to acquire customers in Whole Foods or wherever. So we will continue to be D2C focused because that's where we hit our highest mar you know, margins and, and it's just what we know how to do best. But how we um, drive those people to us will be, we'll ratchet that up in a brick and mortar context, definitely as things open up. Very cool. IQ Bar, Will, great having you. Uh, Prem, we're setting you up here, setting you up to knock this out of the park for us. Give us a little uh, elevator pitch, as I like to say, for 404 DM. Definitely. Um Thanks. Thank you for the opportunity, Mark. And and like, like you know, to, to take away from that from that nugget you were talking about uh, from from Will's um, you know some really really concise and um, you know perfect answers. We are four zero four DM. We are a content creation company, primarily working with CPG brands uh, in the USA. Uh, what we want to do is we want to uh, make high quality content creation. Uh, an economic affair for, for CPG brands, especially for brands that are in the first 12 to 24 months of setting up operations, uh, you know, uh, scaling acquisition channels. It, it's very, very important to be as frugal as possible. And that's where we come in. Uh, we have these really nicely crafted uh, packages of high volume dynamic content that gets delivered to you month on month uh, that, that primarily is used by our clients across uh, organic social uh, performance marketing funnels, um, website imagery, Amazon-sponsored brand videos, and um, that's sort of the use cases of what we do. Um, and uh, with with you know with with so much content being bombarded with the user right now, it's it's become so much more important to be able to to A/B test, to be able to test the content that you're putting out, the formats, the duration, etc., a lot more frequently. And that shouldn't be something that leaves a hole in your pocket. Um, so within the first you know 12 months of us working. With, which we just completed last month. Uh, we've been fortunate enough to work with brands like Oats Overnight, Super Coffee, uh, Dwash Organics, and, and Mwell uh, from, from the Kellogg Group, um, Touchwood. So um, with, with most of these brands, you know, we've worked on creating a visual identity for social, uh, what works best, what doesn't work, uh, and up to even creating like full-fledged campaigns for Thanksgiving Day, uh, Valentine's Day, and um, so if, if you're looking for, you know, high quality, high volume content month on month um, that that does not sting, um, especially in the first, you know, 12 to 24 months of setting up, um, that's us. Content creation. 
check out Prem. His info's there. Will's info is there. Great having you both on. To health and happiness. Hope your week goes well. Peace. Thanks for having me.